Hello, and welcome to the Johnson & Wales Pridecast. This is the show where we discuss topics relating to the LGBTQ plus community. And I am your host, Julia. I am the Pride Alliance president. And today we're gonna talk about Trans Day of Remembrance and Trans Awareness Week with some of our amazing Pride Alliance members. So we're going to cover the origin of Trans Day of Remembrance, Trans Day of Remembrance, the um, issues that face the trans community, the importance of accurate media coverage, the resilience and accomplishments made by trans people, and resources and tips on how to get involved as an ally. And please stick around until the end to join us in a moment of silence to honor those lives that have been lost in the past year. So today I am joined by Pride Alliance members Nat, Mo, and Jack. Thank you guys for being here. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Yeah. Um, hi, everybody. It's uh, me, Jack. Um, my pronouns are he, him, or they, them, whichever one's fine with me. And uh, happy here to be here for the second Pride uh, cast. Glad to have you here. Uh, hi, I'm Mo. Uh, I use they, them pronouns. I also am excited to be here on the second Pridecast. Yay! Howdy. <laughs> um, I'm Natalie. I use she, her, or they, them pronouns. Pretty much whatever you wanna, whatever you wanna do. Um, and I'm, I'm glad to be here and, and talk about all all this this stuff. <laughs> Well, I'm excited you're all here again, and I forgot to add that my pronouns are they, them. Uh, so just wanted to put that out there. And a quick shout out to JLU Live, the Johnson & Wales Providence student-run radio station. Our podcast is a collaborative effort with them, so please be sure to check out the other shows that JWU students create and give them a follow on Instagram at Radio JWUU. So thank you, JLU Live, for this great opportunity. And what we're going to be talking about today, as I said before, is um, Trans Day of Remembrance. So that is coming up on November 20th, which is why we're talking about it now. And the week that comes before that date is known as Trans Awareness Week. So it's the 14th to the 20th of November. Um, and so this is an annual observance that honors the memory of trans people whose lives were lost in acts of anti-transgender violence. Um, so this is something that's really important to the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and it's something that we really wanted to highlight and bring some attention to. Does anyone wanna share how they feel affected by Trans Day of Remembrance or maybe what emotions come to mind when they think about it? I am, I mean, um, I, I would say like, like any, any day remembrance, like it's a, it's very sad, sad day thinking about all the people we've lost in the community. Um, and just hope for the, that we can work on progress in society. And so we didn't have to be, experience so much loss on this, on this type of day. But at the same time, always think about the positives. Exactly. I think that's really important to think about hope and the positives while also having some 
solemnity for the day. I feel you. Yeah, I, I definitely see it just kind of as a, like a good way to remember and honor those who uh, were unfortunately victims of this type of violence, but also like to look at, you know, all of the kind of victories that we've won over the past year, um, especially this current year with like the election and all of that. Um, just kind of remembering the good stuff as long as, as well as the bad. Yeah, great point, Mo. Do you have anything you wanna add, Matt? I'm honestly trying to think of what to say because I have a lot of thoughts in my brain and I'm trying to put them together <laughs> into words and it's, it's not happening. <laughs> That's okay. Take your time. <laughs> I guess we'll talk a little bit about the origin of Trans Day of Remembrance while you gather your thoughts. So it actually dates back to 1998. So this has been happening for quite a while now. And it started because there was a trans woman named Rita, who was um, a highly visible member in the trans community of Boston. She worked on education about trans issues and she was sadly killed in 1998. She was attacked violently in her apartment. A neighbor called the police and she was rushed to the hospital and she passed away from cardiac arrest only moments after being admitted. And still 20 years later police have not found Rita's murderer or murderers. So one year after this occurred, so in 1999, this advocate and writer, Gwendolyn Ann Smith, coordinated a vigil in Rita's honor to commemorate her and all the others who were tragically lost to anti-trans violence. So this is something that is because of a real person, a real woman named Rita. And it's not just about the numbers and statistics and hashtags. So we wanna remember people's names and their lives. Um, so this is something that's been happening since the nineties and it's still, uh, important today, even gaining, I think, more traction and more visibility today as something that we celebrate and honor. And I don't know if this is something that we really saw as like common back in the 90s, or at least, I mean, we were all young or not even born then, but now our current generation is still taking this and like making it into kind of a a new movement or at least still celebrating it, which I think is pretty cool. I mean, I, I think, I think um, even nowadays, like it's really like tough for some people. A lot of people are affected in a lot of different ways. And I'm pretty sure a lot of us here have a lot of emotions running through thinking about this kind of violence happening to people like it's it, it, it it's good sometimes it's a little tough to, to swallow and like think about like like i don't know it's I, it's causing me to like get like this it's really i don't know like brings a tear to your eye like 
thinking yeah, for about sure. how, how how could something like this happen. It's definitely something that I think touches all of us because like being a part of the LGBTQ community, but really like, I don't know, especially thinking about like these are real people and they're real lives and they families and friends and we're part of our community. So yeah, it can get a little heavy and a little overwhelming. So, and we know that this is unfortunately something that is like an, an epidemic of violence that's still happening. Um, and, but it's something that we're addressing. I think we're speaking up more now. There's more coverage about it maybe rather than 20 years ago. So there is still some hope. I think we can always find that there's hope. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the, um, the issue of violence facing the trans community specifically, because of course we know that hate crimes exist and people in the LGBTQ community can be targeted because of their gender identity or sexual identity or just how they appear to someone if they look, you know, non-conforming in any way. But um, there's really, like I said, an epidemic of violence um, that's committed against trans and gender non-conforming people. Um, and it's something that actually often goes unreported because maybe the identity of the trans victim is misreported and there's really just no, no, no way to know the accurate numbers um, of how many people are actually being killed and how many lives are actually being lost. But it's something that really disproportionately affects um, trans people, especially trans women and trans women of color. And not to just get boring and spat off statistics, but I think it's important to note that um, the LGBTQ and HIV affected hate violence report from 2014 shows that of the victims murdered, 80% were people of color, 55% were trans women, and 50 were trans women of color. So like, that's really just showing that the majority of people are affected are our most vulnerable minorities. Um, just talking about like trans women and people of color and how that intersection occurs. So there's definitely more violence happening to those specific communities and it's something that we need to talk about, I think. I think that with this sort of violence and people being targeted because of their identity and who they are and how they're perceived, it's going to take a lot to get it to stop. It's going to take hundreds of thousands of voices speaking out against it to get people to think before they do something irrational and take away somebody's life because that's something that you can't get back you and this sort of violence happens every single day and i've lost quite a few friends to violence against the LGBT community 
and violence against trans trans people specifically. And it's it's extremely saddening and overwhelming and difficult to even think about. But it's something that we need to speak up about, that we need to let people hear about because they won't know. <laughs> a lot, oftentimes people aren't even told about how much or how often this happens. And it's, it's deeply upsetting. You're so right, Nat. Like it's something that's really overwhelming, but also we need all these voices to speak up about it because like oftentimes media doesn't cover this. And if they do, it misrepresents trans people as a whole and kind of dehumanizes us. Um, and it's something that it's gonna take everyone kind of to, to stop this because it's, it's our culture that promotes this kind of violence, that it's okay to this kind of panic defense justification. There's all kinds of justifications people have for this violence when it all just comes down to um, really just transphobia not being accepting. So it's a cultural shift that we have to achieve. Which yeah, I, think I, we can. I think also something that is um, kind of unfortunate is like, the LGBT community in and of itself is not going to be able to enact this change by ourselves. We're going to need like those allies who are not in the community or like cisgender and um, straight people. We need those people as well to fight for us because like this happens with every major movement with like you know, women's rights and things like that. It was always the allies who are not necessarily in that community who held the highest stock, which is unfortunate, but an unfortunate truth of like, we need to fight within the community, but also have allies on the outside fighting for us as well. People, when it comes to change, people will always listen to people who are like them. I mean, that's, that's why the, say with the women's rights movements, the, the people who were not women <laughs> speaking about it were getting the most people supporting the movement. Uh, that's, it's because most of the time, a lot of people will listen to somebody if they can relate to them. And if, say, if you're not part of the LGBT plus community, then you'll have a very hard time relating with anybody who is, who is trying to fight for rights and for justice and equality and it, it's very difficult without allies who are outside of the community. 
Um, just to go off of that, Matt has a great point. Um, and and I'm sure we'll talk about it later about the, more about the election showing the gains we have. And I I hope that that can continue in 2022 when we have the next set of elections. That it it's really a it's really a struggle. We need people all around us as well as in our government to to support us and make sure the LGBTQ plus community has has the protections that needs to stay safe against all of these acts of sensitive violence and just helping us be ourselves. Yeah, you all make great points. Like, of course, we are our strongest advocates and I think trans voices should always be the ones that are centered in this conversation. But we also always need the help of our allies because change is only going to happen if we all take part of it. And I mean, people are going to listen to who is in power. And if the people in power stop dehumanizing trans people and being like, hey, let's, let's make this something that we can all relate to as human beings, um, it's an anti-violence issue. And just seeing trans people as people, I think that's how, you know, we'll actually get some change. So I think yeah. allies are a big part of the conversation too. Yeah. And just to continue about about, about this, I it's just that I think the biggest problem is that the trans community really faces like a, a whole nother level um discrimination than a lot of the other members of the community. Because uh, a lot of the times like I know some people out there that that like like to can can hide their sexuality and, and all that. But as it, when someone's trans, there's a lot of times you can't really hide that because you're trying to change who you're on the outside. So the people like trans, the trans community really needs the extra protection because at certain points people just feel disgust about people trying to change the way they are on the outside and. And sometimes you don't even even notice it's like really you really understand the story when you see people there say people are really disgusted by the ones that aren't passing, and it's really the 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 worst part about that that someone in the process of trying to make them feel see, feel feel themselves on the outside as they are on the inside get like struck and struck down the prime of their life. Yeah, I think that's a really important part too, is that like when someone is transitioning, whether it be socially or physically, um, it's something that's like really visible to the public. My bad. Um, but it's something that you can't always like choose to hide and maybe you don't wanna hide, you wanna be out. But there's such like a, a tough, like, specific lens on trans people to pass this whole concept of passing looking like a cis person like that's the goal well first of all maybe it's not the goal and second of all stop scrutinizing each other's bodies but it makes trans people such like a visible and easy target for hate crimes like this when it's something that people can you know look at you and just see that you're non-conforming in some way and immediately target you for that Maybe the person doesn't even identify as trans, but they can still be a target of violence just because of how they look, which is really sad. Said it much better than I could have. 
I am just going off of what you said because you made such a great point and I just wanted to add to it. Yeah, um, I think that's that's a, a big problem, like you guys were saying, that like there's all of this pressure on people who are transgender and gender nonconforming to still fit into the gender binary in the eyes of society with like, you know, if they're trans female to male, they have to look male immediately, which maybe they don't necessarily want to look entirely male, or maybe they're in the process of transitioning, but can't get the like hormones and the support that they need quite yet. Um, so there's a lot of that pressure put on by society of like, you need to look the gender that you are, which is not necessarily the case for a lot of trans people who are not passing as society says. I think another big part of that is like, we have to talk about how like Western and Eurocentric beauty standards come into play because like, what is passing, you know, like, is it, does it have to do with your literal bone structure and fat redistribution? Like, is the pinnacle of femininity like a white woman? Well, that's the way like our American society would view it and certain features that are maybe unachievable for women of color, even through hormone replacement therapy. And that doesn't mean that they're not passing and they're not women or they're not beautiful. It's just like another intersection of how like racism seeps into misogyny and it all just swirls together in transphobia and makes a beautiful cocktail of hate <laughs> and like just standards for people to be put up against. Um, so I think just like beauty standards in general, plus this whole idea of passing, it just makes it so hard for anyone to like, I don't know, be seen as like, yep, you passed the test. You are who you say you are and you're good and you're fine. I think society needs to just quit it. Agreed. St like, stop telling us how to look or how to act or what to do or who to be when we're just trying to be who we are. Like, get out of here. We don't need <laughs> you. <laughs> I mean, you really just summed it all up. Yeah. Societal yeah. expectations. <laughs> overall suck and have a lot of bad consequences yeah yeah that's why we're yeah. here to destroy the, the the old ones that make new ones yeah down with society okay we're not gonna go that far we're not stop this podcast <laughs> this next podcast what if, what if society but you spell it c-i-s Society, as in cisgender okay, standards. <laughs> Down with just unrealistic standards that we have to hold everybody to based on gender and race because that's not fair and leads to violence. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's, I. What are the kids saying? It's not lit. That's it. It's not Def lit. Definitely not pop. <laughs> what hog oh i've never heard yeah. what, so, what does it mean <laughs> i use it my, my my twitch chat emotes it's all uh, the gamers would say this is very 
not pog yeah not pog yeah see i'm a gamer but i've never heard that Okay. <laughs> okay. I've Ooh. never heard that, but I also don't play games, so. Okay, we 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 reached the middle section. We're, we're slowing down. Let's continue. <laughs> I digress. I digress. Yeah. I digest. Yes, but I digress. So yeah, as you were saying, societal expectations do be bad to put it i I think yeah societal expectations play a big role in a lot of the violence and transphobia we see as well um with the like you need to dress like a boy or dress like a girl well what is who defines what a girl is supposed to look like and who defines what a boy is supposed to look like um exactly yeah, goes back to what we said last podcast. Like society is always changing; all these things, values are changing. So that brings a better hope for the future. Exactly, and something that I feel like really contributes to, like, if this can get better or worse, is the media coverage that we have of victims of anti-trans violence, because the people reporting on this really hold like the power in how this story is told and little things like respecting the victim's pronouns and their name uh, like can really just change so much about how their life and their story is viewed because if you if the reporter were to focus on or hint at the victim's genitalia or a history of surgical procedures or use any language that would imply the victim's identity was not real or that was a costume or a disguise. All of those things contribute to more violence in the future. Even if they're reporting that such violence happened, they're framing it in a way that this trans person was not a real person, was not who they said they were, and it's their fault and all these other things that are really harmful um, and really just further dehumanize the victims. So the reporters play a big part in this. And I know we're not reporters, but when you talk about things like this, um, even just like in passing or on social media, it's really important to like respect the victim's pronouns and their name, stuff like that. I think also there's a lot of media this also kind of goes into another thing that was blowing up online. There's a lot of like media and um, things like that that kind of portray trans people as these like villainous people who are like doing it to kind of, um, I don't know, like they're kind of doing it to be like predators towards people like there's a lot of people who are like oh well trans women are just creepy men who want to get with lesbians and that's not the case at all and things like that of like oh well these people are just doing it to be predators and it's like that's not at all what they're doing they're doing it to affirm how they feel on the inside versus how they might present outside. 
Yeah, equating being trans to being a sexual predator is one of the worst takes I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah, it's so dangerous to equate those two things because like with all of this, um, when there was a lot of discussion around like bathrooms and policing gender and stuff that way and like oh what if someone is assaulted because of a trans person in a bathroom like there are I think zero or few cases of that ever happening but cis people will assault people also like it, it doesn't if, that's if a completely that was, separate issue yeah it doesn't if, have to do with being trans at all if that was the yeah, case I, a lot of wait, oh you go ahead Mom. sorry uh, a lot of the violence actually goes the other way in bathrooms necessarily. Like if someone is using the bathroom that they feel comfortable with, a lot of times if there's like someone in there who maybe isn't necessarily passing yet or is in the process of transitioning and people notice that like they, unfortunately, not everybody, not all cisgendered people are like this, but there are some people who will like get angry and attack that person, um, which is kind of like the opposite of what a lot of the media and lawmakers were saying of like, oh, well, transgender people are going to attack other people in bathrooms. It's like, well, a lot of that actually happens the other way around. Yeah. If we, if we were worried about that, we'd be worried about cis white men assaulting people in bathrooms every day yeah let's focus on on the real issues here and not make up lies about you know already vulnerable communities and literally flipping Mm -hmm. the victimhood because actually trans people are more likely to get like violently attacked because they're in the bathroom that affirms their identity i say fuck the media and that's a one swear word for the day, folks. We've reached our allotment. <laughs> you may or may not be censored in post. Yeah. We'll oh. let you know. Okay. Um, would you care to elaborate? I, yes, I would. So what I mean to say is that the media's portrayal of trans people is garbage. It's incorrect typically typically some some networks are great about it i don't know which ones i don't watch the news but (laughs) i think that once we start portraying trans people in media like on tv or in the news or in any form of media correctly once we start portraying trans people correctly, then we can actually work on the issues that are being faced on account of a negative view on trans people as a whole, like as a community. And it's going to take a lot. It's going to take too much much more than it should <laughs> but you know we we can we can do it with lots lots of people and a lot of work and 
I'm going on a tangent now. <laughs> you're good. You're good. I know what you mean. Yeah. Basically, the the public perception of trans people is villainized, predators, all these other terrible connotations that we don't have to delve into because the reality is trans people are people and can be good and bad and nuanced like every other person, cis or trans. And I think like there's trans people in every walk of life. So we have to represent that accurately. And like Nat was saying, correctly show like our lives because, you know, we're real people and we're doing things and we're contributing to society and making accomplishments. So I really want to talk about the amazing historic trans people who had some victories in the recent election. Because as much as Trans Day of Remembrance is about mourning and remembrance, obviously, um, but we can also reflect on the contributions that our community has made and the power of survival because we are resilient and we're smart and we are change makers. And even though there are very deep flaws in our society and government and what have you, um, there are trans people who wanna change these policies and kind of infiltrate the system to get there and they're doing a great job. We are, we are winning. So I wanna talk about, I wanna name some names and give some congratulations out. So one really cool piece of news, Sarah McBride uh, won the Delaware State Senate race to become the first openly trans state senator. So this is the country's highest ranking trans official. Uh, this is big news, super cool. And a little bit of backstory about Sarah is that she became the first openly trans person to work in the White House when she was an intern for Obama. And she used to work as the national press secretary for the human rights campaign, which is the US's largest LGBTQ plus civil rights group. So she is doing it. She's doing great. Uh, we love her. Go her. Yeah, go her. Uh, go, go Sarah. I know, right? <laughs> next next UN Next president. Trans. Another. That would be a big jump. <laughs> one day we'll make it there. We'll have a trans president one day. And you know, this is how we're going to make the progress. First, we have a senator, but we'll get there. First, a senator. Then, I don't. I don't know what what's above senator. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> well. Well, they uh, they're just a state senator, so the, so the next stops U.S. Senate, and they say, "Here you go." Then and then cabinet and, and president. Yeah, there you go. She's almost or, there. Just straight to president, or just straight to <laughs> I president for Sarah McBride. <laughs> Good, you should. Yeah, four years from now, that's where you got to put it down. Be right in. <laughs> All right, another person I want to highlight is Taylor Small. She's the first openly trans person to be elected in the Vermont legislature. And she's currently the director of a health and wellness program at the Pride Center of Vermont. So she's making history in Vermont, which I feel like a lot of people associate with being maybe more liberal. Um, but it just goes to show that there's more progress to be made everywhere. So go Taylor. Woo, go Taylor. 
Another person to highlight is Stephanie Byers, who's the first trans elected official in the state of Kansas. And something really cool about Stephanie is that she is the National Educator of the Year by GLSEN in 2018. Uh, so she's a former public school teacher and she's also a member of the Chickasaw Nation. So we're having some indigenous representation here too. And her and her wife, her wife run a diversity consulting company called Gender Training and they work to educate communities about gender identity. Good job, Stephanie. She's doing a lot, good for her. She really is, she's doing <laughs> the most. And in also, Kansas? Yeah, impressive that it's all in Kansas. I know. Not in Kansas anymore. No, anybody lived in Kansas. She's the only one, Yeah. her and her wife. And Dorothy <laughs> and Toto. It's just her and her wife. Yeah. Kansas 100% trans, no, we did it. <laughs> we got it, guys. <laughs> yeah. Not the win. New Hampshire is also officially trans. Uh, well, actually, New Hampshire has been trans. Lisa Bunker has been re-elected to the New Hampshire House of Representatives. And she's known for her public service. And she's also an author of two books starring trans characters. That's a very talented woman. Yeah. Uh, that's a talented woman. Okay, and instead of just listing off names for the rest of our life, I want to just focus on one more person. Um, as a non-binary person, this is super um, cool to me. Uh, but Maury Turner is the first openly non-binary person ever elected to state legislature. And they won the race for the Oklahoma State House. Um, there are currently only four out genderqueer or non-binary elected officials in the entire country and only five openly LGBTQ plus elected officials in all of Oklahoma. So Maury Turner, non-binary, excellence, making history, doing great. Claps. Yeah, claps all Sweet. around. There is so much more happening. This is just a little snippet of an election, but even if you're not in an elected office, it doesn't mean you can't make any change. There are advocates and organizers, people who create bail funds and mutual aid and do all kinds of other amazing things, artists and, and chefs and woodworkers. I don't know, we do amazing things. There are so many great contributions that we make to societies. Yeah. Yeah, being transgender is not necessarily like someone's entire personality. It shouldn't even be part of their like personality. It's just who they are. Like exactly. Trans people are teachers and chefs and police officers. You probably we don't like the police, but <laughs> I know my hometown has a our like next police chief pretty much is uh, gay and married to a man and we love and support him. We don't support the police, but we, we, we like him. We don't support the system, but we support individuals. Yes. We're exactly. trying to change a bad system. Yeah. yeah we gotta, exactly. we gotta reform. We gotta change if, you know, if you want the bad things to stop happening. Yeah. So big props to all of these people who were put 
in the public eye and under definitely way more scrutiny than their cis counterparts and won their elections. And to all those who even didn't win their elections, but um, you know, they tried and Did they a good job put themselves they tried. There. Exactly. And you know, you'll get them next time, kid. That's what they always say, right? Yeah. <laughs> Keep up the, the good work, kiddos, yeah. y'all, yins. <laughs> yeah. So as much as I love to celebrate and we want to applaud and have hope for the future, also want to think about what Trans Day of Remembrance is about. So it honors uh, the Trans Day of Remembrance, like official site, um, honors those who died between October 1st, 2019 and September 30th, 2020. So like, we're just going by that period. And just a reminder again that like, we don't know the real accurate numbers because these things are so often unreported or misreported. But uh, the numbers that I do have is that 47 trans lives were taken in the US um, and 386 worldwide just in this past year in that period. So first of all, that's a huge number. And second of all, think about how large that actually is if we had accurate reporting. So just take a moment to soak that up. And I think it would be a good way to honor these people. Um, if maybe we just had a moment of silence for them, maybe 47 seconds to reflect the 47 people who are sadly no longer with us due to the ignorance and the hate of other people in this world and think about what we can do to make it a better world. So a moment of, a moment of silence. Well, thank you for that. I think it's important we had a little solemn moment just to reflect on everything that we talked about today because it was it was a lot, it was intense, it was sad. There was hope, it's a little overwhelming, but you know, we went through all the emotions today and that's all right. I think really letting it hit you and how big of a loss this is, is what it's gonna take for people to realize how important of um, an issue this is and that we gotta get involved and we gotta make change and we gotta, you know, make a better society. And are there any things we would like to reflect on now about maybe what we can do going forward? Um, any, any messages to cisgender people that wanna be better allies? Anything y'all would like to share? 
think the the biggest thing I can think of is to just kind of try to normalize it as best as possible. Like if you're having a conversation with someone who maybe you're talking about a friend that they have never met before and that friend happens to be transgender, don't be like, oh, my friend, he's trans. Just be like, my friend Zach and use he, him pronouns. Don't You don't need to share with random strangers like, oh yeah, my friend is transgender. Like that, it's not necessarily what they should be known for. They should be known for their achievements and what they're really good at and their personality and things like that. Not necessarily the fact that they were born a different sex than what they identify as. Yeah, it's definitely not your place to out someone or disclose someone's trans identity because uh, it can actually be really dangerous. Sometimes you don't know if it's safe to say that, how someone's going to react. And then also, like you said, the fact that we're more than our identities of gender and sexuality. And if someone does want to share that and they're proud of it, cool, good for them. Be a good representation, you know, of who you are as a trans person, but you know, don't disclose that information if it's someone else's and it's not yours to share. So good idea, Mel. I like that one. What I just have is just for, for, for the allies out there, um, just two things to remember. Always remember that trans rights are human rights, power to, to all of us, and then two, always, always remember, like, just like how we, we spoke last podcast about how pronouns are important. Names are always important too. So you don't want to, to, to dead name someone who, who's trans. So always remember to be state conscientious of um, the when someone's transitioning. If you have someone who's transitioning that you know, always remember what their name is now and not don't try to bring up what their name is, what was before the birth name, if you can. Also, <laughs> to to go off of that, if you meet somebody and they're trans and they, they share that they're trans with you and they tell you their name, at, when you meet them, they tell you the, the name that they want to be called, don't ask about their dead name. And for those That's of you bad. who don't know, <laughs> just just a little uh, terminology here. Dead name refers to the person, the, the name that a trans person was given, you know, at birth on legal documents. It's something that doesn't reflect who they are. It's not their real name. It's not anything like that. It's just, it could be called their dead name or their birth name. But their real name is the one that they go by, the one that they truly are, and what they call themselves and what they ask to be called. Yeah. So don't bring it up. (laughs) It's unnecessary. Yeah, I think that a lot of times people think that it's okay to ask really prying personal questions about someone's past or their body and genitals specifically uh, if they're trans, which I really, I really don't think that's the case. I really think that trans people deserve 
privacy and respect like any other person. Um, so another tip for the allies, uh, don't ask prying questions. If you are not in a comfortable place where you where that would be appropriate. And in most cases, it's not appropriate. I'd say don't ask that... questions that you wouldn't feel comfortable someone asking you. That's a good rule of thumb. That's true. But I'd say that, say, if you're wanting to to ask about some, like, what somebody's got in, in <laughs> like, what's, like, what's in your pants? That's, no, you don't ask that unless you're, you know that you're going to be, like, involved with somebody in that way. But and even then, you can just wait and see. <laughs> yeah, there are plenty of more <laughs> sensitive and nuanced ways to go about that and how about that's a bridge you cross when you get there with your partner if you're with a trans person or if it's I don't know in a medical professional setting but yeah uh, trans bodies don't need to be policed and scrutinized and have all these questions asked about them because they're they're just fine the way they are thank you Also, um, kind of goes along with the bathroom thing of like, you don't want people looking into the stall while you're using the bathroom to see what's in your pants. So why do you care if the person next to you maybe has different genitals than the gender that they identify with? It's none of your business. Leave them alone. They're just trying to use the restroom. Trans people just want to pee. Yeah. And, and to be honest, it's like, how are you going to know unless you're looking over there? So you're kind of the pervert there. You're so. the one in the wrong if you are looking. Exactly. I think in general, just like, let's just stop policing other people's gender and their bodies. Because it's not going to work out well for any of us. It's just, we're all going to get harmed in the end. Like there's so many more no kneecaps exactly if you'll remember from our last podcast uh transphobes get their kneecaps removed yeah if Sorry, you're but... transphobic i will personally come and uncap your knees sorry that's the rules i'm pretty sure that's Again, the medical we, term too we do not uh condone murder no 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 condoning we, of violence in general but we have enough of that Yes. However, we will greatly inconvenience you by taking your kneecaps. Exactly. And it won't be and violent. If... I'll just take a no. spoon and, you know. Okay, now that things are getting a little <laughs> bit unhinged, just a tad, I think we're going we're gonna to close things up for this episode. I think it's a little bit shorter than normal, but, you know, things are getting chaotic. And, uh, you know, let's save this energy for next time. <laughs> for our next topic a uh, next uh, exciting episode exactly so before we go i just want to add a couple good resources or maybe some tips and how to get involved so first of all great job listening to this whole podcast you are doing a great job by educating yourself and learning about violence that affects the trans community so that's great and keep learning and share that information with other people so that we can all be more informed. And also for Trans Day of Remembrance specifically, uh, maybe consider attending a vigil or something that honors trans people or just spreading awareness of 
the trans community and the issues that we face and be a good ally, not just today, but every day of the year, because that's what we need. And some resources that will be in the description or however else podcasts work um, would be GLAD, so that's G-L-A-A-D dot org. Also, Trans Day for Remembrance, the official website is tdor.info and you can find lots of information there to educate yourself and read the names and the lives and the stories of all these people that we are honoring today. Any closing remarks from you all? Just um, just remember that what, what, what all of us have lost these people that and then and that's what they are just people that had lives ahead of them and in the end we just don't want to see anybody get hurt anymore or die we just want everybody to live full and happy lives so if you can do what we what was stated above vote a vigil or educate yourself some more that's all we can ask for And if you are attending a vigil, be sure you're safe uh, because unfortunately public vigil, vigils, um, if they're taking place in a public place, be sure to obviously wear a mask and things like that because COVID is still a problem and is becoming more of a problem. Um, but also there are a lot of people who will come to vigils and things like that for the purpose of causing problems and aggravating people. So if you are attending an in-person vigil, be safe. Uh, and if possible, try to attend maybe an online one through Zoom or through some other uh, website that it may be held on. Also, <clears throat> I, I thought of this when Julia said that we need allies all the time, not just today, but every day. I thought of saying we need people to help us and spread our message all the time, not just when it's convenient for you. <laughs> you need, if you're truly going to be an ally, it's better if you work every day to be a part of something, to be an ally to our community, rather than just every now and then when you feel like it's convenient, when you feel like you can add just a little bit, because that's not going to make change. That's that. That's not going to do as much as is needed, you know? Yeah, you all make very good points and thank you for all that you've contributed and for being here. And I think that Trans Day of Remembrance is a great opportunity for us to reflect, learn, and just stand together and say no more to this kind of hateful violence that is so permeated in our society. And 
there's lots to celebrate. There's lots to look forward to as we move forward and definitely have hope because, you know, 20 years ago, things were very different um, in good ways and bad, but there's always, there's always progress that we're making and that we can continue to make. So thank you everybody for listening to this episode of the JWU Pridecast. And be sure to follow JWU Radio and JWU Pride Alliance on Instagram. That would be JWU Pride Alliance 2021 on Instagram to see what events and podcasts are coming up next. And we look forward to being here next time. Thank you all for listening.